0: There are some times when shortcuts are a bad idea, and sometimes when they're a great idea. We'll help you figure it all out in today's top 5 list. Then, on the Summit Gear Review, a light, lightweight way to deal with organisms in your drinking water. Next, on the Backpack Hack of the Week, we'll show you a great resource you can take advantage of that will improve your outdoor skills and knowledge. And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from a guy named Woody who wrote the handbook on trail construction and management, literally. All this, and that's about it, today on The First 40 Miles.
1: Episode 52, that's a year's worth of the first 40 miles. I know we already celebrated when we hit episode 40, so, you know, woohoo, we're at 52 now.
0: How are we going to celebrate? Cake and ice cream, granola bars, and
1: uh, oh, I
0: know. Dump some Gatorade on my head or something.
1: Oh yeah, that's something good. the a ceremony, ceremonial opening of the uh, Nalgene bottle.
0: I don't think we're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs>
1: you know, like like how Scott Jurek uh, had the champagne bottle at the when he got to <laughs> the end of the AT, and then he got in trouble for it. He should have used a Nalgene bottle.
0: That would work.
1: With a different drink inside of it.
0: Fresh spring water. It doesn't get more natural than that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Celebrate 52 episodes by breaking open a Nalgene bottle filled with fresh spring water.
0: All right, let's celebrate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we were on a hike with our kids a couple months ago, and our 10-year-old son got the bright idea that he was going to save a little bit of time and energy by going in between the switchbacks instead of going back and forth and back and forth he was just going to go straight up the mountain and cut the switchback and we had to kind of gently explain it to him that it actually was a huge hiking faux pas not just that but it actually is pretty rough on the land and can do some damage to the trails Americans are big fans of trailblazing. There's something so romantic, something that's just so deep in our culture about forging through a path that has never been forged through before.
1: It's so tempting to cut those switchbacks because you look and you're like, well, I can save 20 feet that way and 20 feet back by just taking this little five foot cut at the end of the switchback. but for some reason, it really doesn't work out that way. And so first of all, there's the erosion problem that you're creating. The trail has been built and designed to minimize erosion. And so the trail crews will put in specific spots along the trail that will send water off the trail so that it doesn't run down the trail and make a creek. And they make those switchbacks so that uh, the trail will stay firm and dry and solid all the way to the end of the switchback. and So when you cut the switchback, now you're creating a spot where you could have a little waterfall when it rains and then just wash out both the top and bottom of that switchback. And that's really hard to repair. But even with the ecological damage, even if it wasn't for that, it still doesn't really save you any time to cut those switchbacks. You would think it would, but the trails have been sloped at kind of those ideal slopes for people to walk on. And when you start going on something that's significantly steeper, you have to slow down. And so even though you're cutting distance by cutting the switchback, I don't think you're actually saving time.
0: I used to think that trails were created kind of naturally without much thought by some guy who just started walking and he took the same path every time he went through the forest and eventually kind of wore down the grass and people followed him and the trail became wider. And I guess that's just the story I made up in my head. But there's actually quite a bit of science and care that goes into creating trails In fact, the guy that we're quoting today for our trail wisdom, he was on the team that wrote the handbook on trail construction and management. That's actually a document that you can read online if you have a free evening where you'd like to peruse some interesting literature, and you can find out kind of some of the science that goes into creating trails.
1: What about going completely off trail? So we've been talking about cutting switchbacks or cutting corners. What about... If you really do want to go completely off trail, is that okay?
0: (laughs) That's a great question, Josh. (laughs) There you go, catching me off guard again.
1: I can tell you put a lot of thought of it, a lot of thought into it in the last uh, 10 seconds.
0: Without having done any research at all, my gut tells me that if it's a couple people doing some bushwhacking through some wilderness area, that there's not going to be a huge amount of impact. But if you have a well-traveled trail where people are constantly cutting the switchbacks and uh, kind of making their own changes to the trail, that's not a good thing.
1: Yeah, I think it's really the same thing as uh, choosing a campsite. So if there's already an established campsite, it makes sense to use that site because the environmental impact has already happened and you're not making it worse. You're confining the environmental impact to that one spot. But it's also okay to go camping and to make your own site. It's just that when you do, you shouldn't be frequently using a site that maybe other people have been starting to use and you know and then over time it turns into a campsite even though there's not supposed to be one there so whenever you do your own campsite you're supposed to use a an area that hasn't been touched at all and then you're supposed to make as little modification to it as possible and you avoid certain areas right alpine areas that are uh, fragile or or fragile desert environments things like that or close to water so I think with trails and versus bushwhacking, I think it's the same kind of thing. The established trail, you might as well stay on it because the impact has already happened and you're helping to keep it confined to that established trail. But if you want to go cross-country uh through the woods, then as long as you're not in a fragile area like a desert with the cryptobiotic crust or... A fragile alpine area where the plants grow so slowly and have such a hard time recovering. You know, like around here in the woods of western Oregon. We could go hike through those woods and a day later nobody would know that we had done that. Because it just grows back so quickly and recovers so quickly. So, that's probably fine as long as you're making your own path and you're not starting to follow some other shortcut that someone else made and then eventually developing that shortcut into an unofficial trail. I think that's where it gets bad.
0: So, shortcuts on the trail, not such a good idea, but shortcuts in life, why Why not? not? (laughs) I love me some shortcuts. Well, as of this episode, we have exactly 45 days until Christmas. And if you're like me, the last thing you want to do is walk through a store and elbow people out of the way for that last hike with me Elmo on the shelf. So we'd like to present to you today some mail order subscription boxes for the backpacker in your life. These are gifts that do not require finding a parking space or standing in long lines. Love it.
1: And these gifts aren't necessarily like the most economical way to get your backpacking stuff. I think what they're really good for is exposing you to things that you otherwise wouldn't have known about or purchased. And then it so gives you ideas and then you can go out and and buy more of the stuff you like.
0: And these are especially good to give as gifts because all of the items in these boxes are curated. You know, that's a hot word right now. It just means handpicked. You know, the companies go through and they find the best or the most unique things and they put them all in one box so you don't have to be the one scouring the internet and message boards for the latest interesting flavor of energy bar out there or the latest little backpacking gadget. So if you sign up for one of these boxes for a friend or family member or for yourself, then you can get these boxes delivered right on schedule to your doorstep and you can be exposed to all sorts of interesting backpacking gadgets and food. The number one gift subscription for backpackers is The Feed. And they have a three-day backpacker box. So this contains meals for your little weekend trip. You have enough food in there to last you the whole weekend. And it really is a fun mix of high-quality food. This is stuff that you could put all together yourself but the fact that it comes straight to your door basically with an invitation to get out there and do something is really fun. So you can order one box that's the three-day backpacker box or you can actually subscribe so you can have a new box come to you each month and that'll get you kind of in the habit I guess get you something to look forward to right before you go out on your next trip. And these come in at $66, and the food inside is really a great mix of sweet and savory. There are meals in there, and snacks, and drink mixes.
1: So the feed box is really food, uh, but ours came with an issue of Backpacker magazine in it. Do you know if that's like a regular thing, or do they throw in different magazines?
0: It always comes with an issue of Backpacker.
1: Okay, so you can save on a subscription to Backpacker when you subscribe to the feed.
0: The number two gift subscription for backpackers is called stride box. And these are items that are really kind of more targeted toward runners. So if you happen to be a backpacker slash trail runner, or you know someone who is, then this would be the perfect box for them because it kind of does double duty. For this one, it's $15 to sign up and then it's $15 every month which you can actually pause or resume so you don't have to get something each month, but it is a $15 startup fee and a pretty decently priced you know, monthly fee. You can also do $50 for a three-month gift subscription, which is a pretty good deal if you just wanna do a one-time thing for someone. So the items in the stride box aren't all food items. You get things like special detergent for washing performance fabrics. There are drink mixes that are meant to supply lots of energy, and there are snacks included that are specifically made to be easy to consume while you're running or as a recovery after you run. So the box is a really great gift subscription for someone who's doing double duty on the trail and on the asphalt. The number three gift subscription for backpackers is Box. But don't let the name fool you. It's not exactly healthy, organic, good for you type stuff. It really is calorie dense snacks. You know, they market it toward people who are sitting at their desk in an office. They have, you know, the office pack. This is something you should not be eating if you're going to be sitting at a desk all day. Not unless you sign up for Weight Watchers or Jenny Craig as well, because these really are extremely calorie-dense snacks. Stuff like dried fruit, nuts, Those little snack bars, pretzels dipped in chocolate and then rolled in some kind of other thing like nuts. So if you go to NatureBox's website, you can see a huge list along with pictures of all of the different things that you can put in your subscription. So you can actually pick the things that you want. And some of the things that popped out at me that looked really good were the praline pumpkin seeds, the chocolate peppermint pretzel pops. They're like little pretzel balls that are dipped in chocolate and then... Peppermint. Anyway, Mm -hmm. it looked delicious. Uh, The Asiago Cheddar Cheese Crisps. Those looked sinful. Cinnamon Yogurt Mini Grams. Those also looked very dangerous. And then the Chocolate Quinoa Granola. Sounds really healthy, but you know it's just loaded with calories and fat, and it would be great for a backpacking trip. The prices are pretty decent. So three snacks for $14, or you can do five snacks for $20. You also have the option to do once a week, every two weeks, or once a month, which is kind of fun. So if you're doing lots of, you know, day hikes and stuff, you could really have something come once a week or every two weeks and have something new each time to take with you out on the trail.
1: Number four is a little bit different. It's the U-Bar, that's Y-O-U-B-A-R. This is custom granola bars. So they do nothing else, just, just bars. And uh, you can go onto their website and pick from a long list of different bar bases and then the different mix-ins that you want, what kind of sweeteners and even infusions.
0: It was quite an extensive list of ingredients. Like there's no way that you could buy all those ingredients and have them in your cupboard to make your own granola bar. Like it's just so cool that they have all these different options for you. The price for your 13 custom granola bars is $47, and that actually includes the shipping. So it ends up being around $3.50 a bar.
1: So if you just want a bunch of cheap granola bars, go to the grocery store. But if you want to like design your own or surprise a friend or loved one with these super cool flavor combos, then Ubar is the way to go.
0: The number five gift subscription for backpackers is Campbox. Camp Box is about $35 a month plus shipping, and all of the gear that they curate and all of the food that they put in is based on packability, seasonal relevance, social impact, and durability. Campbox also has some really unique offerings that are right on the edge of being available. So they have plans to roll out CBX Kids. CBX, I guess, stands for camp box, where they'll have a camp box for the younger crowd. So if you have a niece or a nephew that you really want to get started in backpacking, then that might be a fun gift idea for them. They'll also be offering a trail package service, which there were no details about that, but I'm guessing it might be for some of the PCT or AT hikers that they can uh, request packages to be sent to certain places on the trail. So, really great idea, really fun options on Campbox.
1: And Campbox is a mix of food and gear and other consumables like soaps and things like that.
0: And when we say gear, it's really more.
1: It's small stuff, right? Accessories. Yeah, I would Uh, call
0: it camping accessories, things.
1: Carabiners or things of that size.
0: Right. So you're not going to be able to stock up on your, you know, the big three that you're going to need for backpacking. This is going to be little, little things that you can take with you. You can try out. You can see if it works for you. And it's just fun, fun stuff. Camp boxes, is $35 a month plus shipping. If you're looking for something a little bit smaller, a little bit cheaper, another option is Cairn. That's $25 a month and that's also a mix of food and gear. Um, One of the kind of interesting YouTube phenomenons that I've noticed is that people love to unbox stuff on YouTube. So they'll order something like a stride box or a camp box and... They'll put up their unboxing video for that month and show you everything that came in the box and a little handwritten note that they got or, you know, the fluff that comes in the box to keep everything all stable. They kind of make a big deal about every single detail. So if you wanted to really see the kinds of things that are in each of these boxes, then go to YouTube and just type in unboxing camp box or unboxing the feed or nature box or any of these boxes that we've talked about today and you can get a little bit better idea of what the actual experience will be like for the person that will be receiving this gift box
1: and if you have better things to do with your time we can understand (laughs) really i mean watching someone open (laughs) a box (laughs)
0: That's why I said it was a phenomenon. It's so strange. Like It is. Someone opens a box and you never see their face. You Well, for the most part. Not like I've spent any time watching these videos, but I've heard. Uh-huh. I've heard. <laughs> you know, they open the box. They have all sorts of little things to say about everything. Every, every you know, little detail. Everything You're from right. the packing tape to the fluff inside. It's really fun. Or funny. I don't know which one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, anyway, giving subscription boxes is just a fun way to share new outdoor food and gear with the people that you love. And while it's not really the most economical gift-giving solution, it's really nice that everything is curated and packaged in a really fun and convenient way.
1: Today on the Summit Gear Review, we're reviewing the SteriPen Freedom Water Purifier. So there's lots of different ways to purify your water out on the trail. I think everyone is really familiar with the fact that you can filter your water. And then, of course, you can go the old-fashioned way and you can boil your water. And you can also use uh, chemical sterilizers. But the SteriPen is really interesting because it uses UV radiation.
0: I think this is the nerd's way of purifying water. I mean, you can't get much closer to a lightsaber than the SteriPen Freedom.
1: And you use the force to purify your water.
0: (laughs) It's so cool. Yeah.
1: It's really pretty amazing. You stick this thing in your water and you just sort of wave it around, swirl it around a little bit, and it lights up like a lightsaber.
0: These little cells that make you sick absorb all this ultraviolet energy that you're putting into the water. It really does sound kind of um, science fiction-y. So we've heard two different stories about the SteriPen. The first is that it destroys over 99.9% of the harmful microorganisms in your water And the second is that it actually works by making the cells of the microbes absorb this ultraviolet energy and then it makes it so they can't reproduce to make you sick. So either way, you really do have to kind of take it on faith that these little microorganisms aren't going to cause you to be sick later on. So of all the pen options out there, the Freedom really is the best one so far for backpackers. And one of the reasons is because it's rechargeable, which is really cool because then that means that you can use it with a solar charger or you can charge it while you're home and then it'll be ready for 40 water treatments. It's a full charge. A full charge gives it 40 water treatments, which would be about 20 liters of water.
1: So this thing should be good for a whole week on a trip, I would think. on on one charge and it's great that it just charges through USB so it's really easy to find a charging source
0: and to use it all you have to do is remove the little lamp cover so it comes with this little plastic cover on it and then you immerse the little metal prong things that are at the top of the lightsaber keep those little metal prong things submerged while you're stirring and it has a little indicator light at the very top of the SteriPen that will tell you when your first treatment is done. Now, this is really meant to go with you, um, I guess, on international trips, and it's meant to treat two cups of water at a time. Well, for backpacking, you never treat two cups of water. You always treat a liter of water, so you have to do two treatments, which is one of the reasons this isn't that this isn't really marketed toward backpackers, it's really marketed toward international travelers, but it's the lightest one, it's the one that makes the most sense for backpackers.
1: And it really is just as simple as doing a treatment, if you're using a two liter bottle, right? Mm -hmm. You do a treatment, you pull it out of the water, you stick it back in and do a second treatment. That's all there is to it. The SteriPen detects when it has been put into the water and it starts lighting up as soon as it's in the water and then it lets you know when it's done. So really simple to use.
0: This really is one of the most lightweight water treatment options out there. It comes in at 2.6 ounces. And you never have to bring backup batteries with you because these are rechargeable batteries.
1: The SteriPen Freedom comes with a carrying case that you can stick it in, or you can just take it without the case. Uh, It's just kind of a little cloth sleeve. And it comes with instructions and a three-year warranty from the manufacturer.
0: If you would like to buy a SteriPen Freedom, it costs around $100. And since you get about 8,000 one liter treatments out of it, that means that it costs about one cent a liter to use this, which I think is a great deal. As far as trial goes, we never had any problems with the lamp. However, we had a friend who bought a SteriPen and he never got his lamp to work. And I don't think he ever figured out kind of what the, the underlying cause was, like if it was a battery issue or if something was just, you know, a quality control issue. But we had a good experience and we felt like it was a huge convenience, especially when you're traveling in areas where the water is fresh and clean looking and you just want to have that extra assurance that all of the bacteria is going to be taken care of, that it's not going to make you sick. The SteriPen will do nothing for water that's murky because the light can't reach all of the different, you know, places that it needs to and kill all the bacteria. It also won't work for water that's brackish. So the flavor of your water is going to stay the same whether you use the SteriPen or not. It doesn't take care of odd flavored or salty water. Water purification is something that I believe pretty strongly in, and so I'm always going to bring two different forms of water treatment. So this is one form that's just super easy, super simple to use. It requires one skill, the ability to stir water well, okay, and watch a blinking light at the same time. I think I can handle that. But then I also pack droplets. Usually I pack the Aquamira drops and just keep those in my bag just for a easy backup. And then I also kind of switch things out with the Sawyer Mini. So I guess depending on the trip that I'm going on, I kind of rotate between those.
1: And I've always been an old-fashioned water purification guy. So I have my catadin uh, Hiker filter that I've packed along on lots of trips and I'm really very comfortable using it. And So when we went on our trip uh, in September down to the Redwoods, you suggested that I could bring the SteriPen and we could test it out a little bit more and I, at first I was hesitant because I was like, uh, the thing about the filter is that it actually filters, you know, and and so if the water is not quite clear then it gets filtered out and gets cleaned up that way and I knew that the SteriPen wouldn't do that it, it would only make it drinkable, but not filter it. But then I thought about it some more, and I realized that on a lot of our wilderness backpacking trips, we actually do have access to very clear water, and we really do only need to protect ourselves against microbes. And so I brought it on our Redwoods trip, and sure enough, everywhere that we stopped for water, it was nice and clear. And so the SteriPen was great because it was so light at only two and a half ounces. It was so small It was so easy to use. I didn't have to get out a pump and start pumping and then, you know, dry it out when I'm done. And all of that hassle, just stick in the SteriPen, swish it around for 48 seconds to purify your water. For me, the hardest thing was that I always forgot that I was filtering a liter of water. And the SteriPen is timed to do half a liter. So there were a few times I completely forgot to do a second Um, cycle with the SteriPen.
0: And I think it's just the SteriPen Freedom that does this kind of half liter option. I think the other SteriPens might do 90-second treatments. So it was made for people who are just stirring a cup of water in a hotel room. It still has the power that can kill the bacteria or at least deactivate them. But um, yeah, you do have to put it in twice to get that, that same amount of treatment.
1: And I didn't get sick, so... I guess I came out okay. Anyway, if you do run into silty or cloudy water, you know, you do have the option to try to pre-filter that somehow, even through a bandana or something. It would probably help.
0: Well, we had a great experience with the SteriPen Freedom. We felt like it was super easy to use, very lightweight, easy to charge, and it did what it was supposed to do.
1: If you're interested in some other water purification options, go check out episode 17. That's the first40miles.com slash uh, 017. We had a backpacker Q&A section in that episode where we ran through the vapor microfilter, the Sawyer Mini, and the LifeStraw.
0: For today's Backpack Hack of the Week, we are going to hook you up with someone who is a real expert. Now, the funny thing is we were interviewed recently for another podcast and we were tagged as the experts, which made me laugh because we are not experts. I just love researching and I love sharing the things that I learn. And so we want to hook you up today with a real expert, someone who has hiked and explored thousands and thousands of miles. And his name is Andrew Skirka. And he actually does some work for Sierra Designs and he is coming out with these one hour videos and they're all about just one specific topic. And the first one he did was food. He also did one that just covered feet. He did one on first aid and most recently one on insulation. So if you want to check out these videos that will actually put you in touch with a real Expert, we will have the link in the show notes.
1: That link will take you to a page on the Sierra Designs website. And when you get there, you'll have to enter your email address and then you get access to their videos.
0: One of the really cool things about these videos is that they're recorded live. So once you sign in, then you can start typing your most important question and he'll answer these questions live on the show.
1: So now that we're heading into winter, now is a good time to work on your backpacking knowledge and skills if you're maybe not spending quite as much time actually out backpacking. And this is a great way to do it. You can get all those past videos that Andrew Skirka has done or jump in on a future live recording and and actually ask your questions as he's uh, presenting the video. As Heather just mentioned a minute ago, we were recently interviewed on another podcast. Austin Martin has a podcast about homesteading, and it's called Homesteady, so homestead with a Y on the end.
0: It was kind of fun that our worlds met because homesteading and backpacking don't seem related at first glance. But If you draw one of those little Venn diagrams and the circles kind of overlap, then you can see right in the middle is the world where people love being outdoors. So it was really fun to connect with Austin and his podcast.
1: And homesteaders and backpackers both love do-it-yourself stuff. It's about surviving off the land and being self-sufficient. So we had a really fun conversation with Austin. He shared a story in this podcast episode about a friend of his who just went out to backpack Mount Washington in New Hampshire. You know, he had no experience and just jumped in and had some pretty wild experiences to share from his backpacking trip. Here's a little snippet of his friend's experience. Lou and Jonathan have never been on an overnight
0: backpacking trip, but they figure what's hiking, you know, it's like just walking, you know, (laughs) they didn't think it would be that hard, but only a few hours in and already they find themselves off the trail.
1: And, you know, at one point it's probably like two o'clock in the afternoon and we just stop and I took some film at this point and we just look at each other and we're like, what do we do, bro? Where are we? There's no signs of anything. And we're like, oh, we're just going to die out here. Day turns into night, and they realize that they're lost in the wilderness. And they're about to have a night that they'll never forget. So if you want to hear the story, check out the Homesteady podcast and look for the episode that aired on October 26, 2015. And we'll put a link to that Homesteady episode in today's show notes, which can be found at thefirst40miles.com 052.
0: And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Woody Hesselbarth. He was one of the authors and contributors to the Trail Construction and Maintenance Notebook.
1: He said, Trails help humans make sense of a world... Increasingly dominated by automobiles and pavement, they allow us to come more closely in touch with our natural surroundings, to soothe our psyches, to challenge our bodies, and to practice ancient skills.
0: That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or review us on iTunes. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. (laughs) not in the notes stick it in
1: (laughs) after the intro paragraph and before the today paragraph how about that
0: yeah i used to think that trails were were the
1: nice and i'm gonna say something else too but i haven't thought of it yet (laughs) that's just filler i thought i had something else to say and then that's what came out instead